Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, hey, good morning, Crosspoint. Those of you who are in the house and, and those of you who are joining us online, and, and a very special warm welcome to those of you who are just here for the first time. And uh, it's just so glad you could worship with us this morning. Hey, uh, for those of you who are just joining us, we're continuing a teaching series. It's called The Embodied Life. And we're looking at what it means to be the people of God together, the body of Christ. And to do that, we've been exploring the one another's of scriptures. Now, what are the one another's? They're, they're essentially these body life commandments that you find peppered throughout the New Testament. And, and they describe how the people of God can live together and how we can reflect God's image to the world. Now, we, we had promised that our summer messages would be shorter. So because of that, we are going to get right into the Word this morning. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, whether it's paper or whether it's digital. I hope you'll join with me there. Uh, we're going to be doing a bit of a deep dive into one particular section. Um, and just the thing about the book of Ephesians, if you don't know, the book of Ephesians is a letter. And it's a letter that was written by a man who was called Paul the Apostle. He was an overseer of many churches in the first century of the church. And Paul was writing to a church that he loved dearly, a church he had spent a lot of time with, uh, the church in Ephesus. And that's why it's called Ephesians. Well, uh, if you have a Bible handy, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 20, we're going to park there. And the one another verse that we're looking at today, spoiler alert, is in verse 19. So you'll see that come up on the screen. But allow me to read the passage, and I'll encourage you to follow along as I read it. Here's what it says. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because, well, the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here it comes. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, and then giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. It's living and active. Thank you that it's for us. What a gift, God, that you would reveal yourself to human beings. You would take a part of yourself and just make it known to all the world so that we can understand you and know you and be in relationship with you. Thank you, God, for this great gift. And this morning, God, as we dive into it, we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would bring it alive in us that you would shine light on our hearts, that, God, you would bring us hope and encouragement and life and renewal as we get into the Word together. And we thank you that you're faithful and you'll do it. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, here's a question. Here's a question this morning. Why do Christians sing so much? Have you ever thought about that question before? Why do we spend almost half of our time together every single week singing songs? Now, if you grew up in church, this might feel pretty normal to you, okay? Like, it's like, well, that's the way we've always done it, right? But let me tell you something. If you haven't grown up in the church, it's not normal. It's not a normal part of life. There is no other place in society where people get together, drive across the city, gather in a room together, and sing songs together for half an hour. Unless you do karaoke, okay? This is really abnormal. 
You know, I, I can remember when I first started attending a church. I was 17 years old, uh, and Jesus had just gotten a hold of my heart. And so I thought at that time, you know, it's probably a good idea that I started hanging out with other Christians, probably start going to a church. So I started going to a church. And after being at a church for a very short period of time, here was my first assessment. Christians are kind of weird. Church is weird. I mean, they drive across town, right? They get together. They sing songs for 30 minutes together, songs that nobody else in the world actually knows, okay? Then they listen to this guy talk about God and the Bible for another 30 minutes. You know, every once in a while, they'll drag out a dunk tank, okay? And they'll make a guy confess publicly before they hold him under the water, right? And then about once a month, they get together and they have a snack together, right? Juice and crackers. It's not even a great snack. It's a really, really small snack. I thought, this is weird. This is incredibly weird. Christians are kind of weird, but the amount of singing we do together is weird. So why do Christians sing so much? Well, as it turns out, there are actually plenty of reasons why we sing. Let me give you a few of them before we dive into God's word today. Here's the first one. We have been singing since the beginning. Do you know that God's people have always sung? Singing and choirs were a central part of Israel's worship. I mean, what is the longest book in the Bible? It's a book of songs. It's called Psalms. I mean, even Jesus sang with his disciples just after the, the Last Supper. Here's what it says, Matthew 26, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You know, singing was also a central part of the early church. The early church sang songs together. And they have continued to sing praises together throughout the centuries. And as the book of Revelation reveals, when we shuffle off this mortal coil, when we are done, okay, in heaven, they're going to sing songs. And at the end of the age, they're going to continue to sing songs. So singing is just, just what God's people do. Well, why else do we sing? Well, first, let me just say this. We were created to sing. You know, human beings were designed with this incredible capacity to sing, like no other creature on the planet. I mean, other animals can make sounds, but human beings are the ones who can sing. And that's why we find singing exists in all the cultures of the world. Now, granted, some of you can sing really, really well. Some of you should stick to singing in the shower. Nevertheless, each and every one of us can sing. You know, singing is actually a, it's a gift from God. Music affects us deeply. David understood this. If you know the story of David, when Saul needed help and his spirit was troubled, what did David do? He played him a song. He played the harp for him when he wasn't dodging javelins, okay? He played a song for Saul. Music moves the heart. It heightens emotions. It amplifies truth as we sing it. It even helps us memorize songs. You know, there, there's a ton of research that's been done that demonstrates the positive effects of singing music. It actually affects your health and your well-being. Do you know that singing improves blood circulation to your brain? It actually helps to release endorphins in your body, helpful hormones to help you feel good and feel joyful and positive. Singing also decreases harmful stress hormones, and it impedes depression, and it increases mindfulness. Singing is a gift from God. And when you sing with other people, it actually, they, it's demonstrated that it strengthens the bonds between you. Why do you think armies sing together before they go off to war? Why do you think we sing a national anthem together? Singing increases social cohesion, they say. So we were created to sing. But here's another reason why we sing. God is passionate about singing. 
Did you know that the the Bible actually contains over 400 references to singing? Did you know that in the Bible, there are actually 50 direct commandments to the people of God to sing? Let me give you a great example. Psalm 96, verses 1 to 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Let all his salvation from day to day. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Do you know that God wants us to sing to him, and God wants us to sing about him? He invites us to join with all of heaven and all of creation in declaring just how good and how great he is. God is passionate about singing, and he wants us to sing. Now, in Ephesians 5, in today's text, Paul gives us two more reasons to sing, and I'd like us to explore those together. Here's the first one. The reason why we sing is because our lives are overflowing. Now, this one's going to take a little bit of time to unpack, so go with me on a little bit of a, uh, a, a journey together. Um, to do this, to understand this, we're going to have to look a little bit at the, what's called the broader context of Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Listen, if you're going to buy a house, you need to check out the neighborhood in which that house is built, right? Because that neighborhood will tell you a lot about the house. In the same way, if you're going to understand a text of Scripture, you need to understand the surrounding neighborhood. What's around the text if you're going to understand the text? I want us to dive into the neighborhood for just a minute in Ephesians chapter 5. So in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is explaining how to live as a child of God. He's saying, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have been adopted into God's spiritual family. You're no longer an orphan. You're no longer an enemy of God. But now you are a son and a daughter of the king. And so if God is your father, Paul is saying, you need to imitate him. You need to be like your dad, right? Paul sums it up this way in verse 8. Here's what he says. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So the aspiration of every believer in Christ, of every disciple and follower of Jesus, is to grow up and to become like your heavenly father. You know, you're no longer a child of darkness. That's what Paul is saying. You are no longer struggling out in the cold like an orphan. Instead, you have been brought into God's household where you belong. There's a chair for you. There's a place by the fire. So be who you are, he's saying. Be a child of the light. So then we track down to verse 15 which is today's text. And Paul says this. He says, here's how a wise son or daughter should live. Don't waste your life. Make the best use of your time because every moment counts. And if that's true, don't get sucked in to all the stupidity that you see happening around you because you're a child of the king and you are way smarter than that. And what's the smart thing to do? Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, now it's worth noting, like I said, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And, and the, the city of Ephesus was well, actually a hotbed of idolatry and pagan worship. And one of the many gods in, in Ephesus that they worshipped was a god named Bacchus. And Bacchus was the god of wine and of ecstasy. And to worship and to serve Bacchus, they believed you needed to get drunk, really, really drunk, inebriated, I mean intoxicated, thoroughly pickled, three sheets to the wind. And in this drunken stupor, you could understand and you could worship and you could obey this God. I'm trying to imagine, I mean, what did that look like? I mean, what was the result of worshiping Bacchus in this way? 
well. I, it ultimately probably looked like a million bad decisions resulting in broken lives, wasted nights, and bar fights, passionate, indulgent, crying on the curbside, and holding your friend's hair while she hoovered into the toilet. That's probably what it looked like. And Paul just uses one word to summarize this. He uses the word debauchery. The word debauchery literally means reckless living. So what he's saying is, listen, you become what you worship. Whatever God occupies the space of your heart, that ultimately forms you and that shapes you. And if Bacchus is your father, you're going to become like Bacchus. But Paul is telling us this. He's saying, you know what, for God's kids, for God's kids, there's a different way. And there's a better way. So instead of being drunk on spirits, Paul is saying, why not be filled with the Holy Spirit? Come under his influence. Be captivated by his life. Tapped into his presence. And you will be transformed into his likeness. You know, as, as I was preparing this message, I was reading about the, the devastation of the droughts that are happening in, in California. And you've probably seen this all over the news for the last number of years. I mean, but not only have there been forest fires, but the result of the drought is it's been drying up many of the lakes and reservoirs in California. Now, if you don't know what a reservoir is, a reservoir is essentially a man-made lake. Uh, they will put a dam at the end of a river or a valley, and then it floods out, and it creates this great big basin of water called a reservoir. Well, in, in California, lake water levels have now reached an all-time low. The second largest reservoir in California, which is called Lake Oroville, has, has just been devastated by this. I mean, there's a picture there that we put up on the screen. You can see how far down it has come. It's actually come down so far that it's reached only water capacities at 24% of what it normally should be. The water devastation has been so great in this reservoir, they, they actually had to shut down the hydroelectric electric dam. It has not been shut down since 1967. Now it can no longer even operate. And not only that, it's wreaking havoc on the ecosystem, on the plant life, and on the, on the wildlife that's in the area. The reason why there's a shortage of water in California is because all of the spring runoff has essentially ceased. It's been so dry that what the normal melt that you would get that would fill the rivers and then fill the basin uh, is, is no longer in existence. So the springs have all dried up because of the heat. You know, when I read about this, I started thinking about my own spiritual reservoir. And I started thinking about your spiritual reservoir. What happens when your reservoir starts to run on empty? I mean, what if you turn off the springs of living water that are meant to fill your life and your soul? Well, when the reservoir goes empty, things dry up. The plant shuts down. Things start to die. And eventually you find yourself without life and without power. Paul says that you received the Holy Spirit on the day that you first believed. He talks about earlier in Ephesians. He says, but now the reservoir of your life needs to be continually replenished. That verb where he says be filled, the literal meaning of that verb, if you were to translate it, is to be filled and to continue being filled. It's ongoing, continuous action. And so Paul's saying don't turn off the springs of water that fill your life. And, and if you choose to fill your life with other things, maybe it's beer or wine or spirits, it could shipwreck your life. But if you choose to fill your life with God, with the Holy Spirit, it will transform your life. 
So what does it look like to have a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, what happens if your reservoir is full? Well, you'll notice in the next few verses that Paul actually lists four signs of a Spirit-filled life. Let's look at them. I'll put them up on screen. The first one is addressing or speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The second is singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The third is giving thanks always to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the fourth is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. These are technically, they're called verb participles. So what that means is they all modify the verb in front of them. What's the verb in front of them? Be filled. How do we be filled? Well, let me tell you. There's four ways that Paul talks about. So they describe what overflows out of the reservoir of your life in God. And when it is topped up, and when it is brimmed over with the Holy Spirit, this is what you encounter, what you see. So when our lives are full of the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying, okay, we will speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We will sing to the Lord with all of our hearts, not just our lips, but with all of our hearts. When we are so full of God's presence and love and power, Paul is saying, we cannot, we must not hold it inside. Now, you might be wondering this morning, well, what does Paul mean? I mean, what does he mean by psalms, hymns, and, and spiritual songs? Let me, let me just quickly explain that. I mean, psalms are, are likely referring, Paul was likely referring in that day to the psalms from the Old Testament. The, the, the New Testament church, their Bible was the Old Testament, right? They read from the psalms. They sang still from the Psalter. That was their, their psalms. Hymns were, were actually common in Greek culture. I mean, it wasn't just the church that had hymns. Hymns were common in Greek culture, and, and, and they were festive lyrics that were sung in praise to a local god or hero. So the early church would have had their own version of hymns in that day. One example, if you're looking for one, you can read a little bit later on, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. That's a great example, scholars will say, of a hymn from the early church. Now, spiritual songs are a little bit more harder to pinpoint, okay? Um, the phrase, some scholars say, well, it might just mean another way of saying hymns, right? Paul might be explaining that. Or, or it might be just like a nuance of difference, like when we make differences between hymns and choruses in the church, right? He said, it might, it might be that. But some actually believe that spiritual songs might be something more than that. It might actually be spontaneous singing, extemporaneous singing, for those of you who are from a Pentecostal background or you've gone to a Pentecostal college in the city, okay, you might know this as singing in the spirit, okay? But the reality is, we don't really know for sure what Paul is talking about here because we weren't there. But what we do know is that when our lives are overflowing with God, we sing. We sing. Here's the, the final reason why we sing from the text, is it builds others up. Now, you'll notice that Paul says in verse 19 that we are to address one another. Some of your translations say we're to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh, so singing isn't, isn't just a solo sport. Paul's focus here is actually outward and it's not just inward. So a spirit-filled life is other-centered. It's not just self-centered. And that's the thing about one another's. It takes another to one another. You cannot one another yourself. You know, when God puts a song in your heart, when he speaks to your life through scripture, when, when you sense his nearness overflowing through prayer, 
He is giving you a tremendous gift. But that gift is not only for you. That gift was meant to be shared with other people. It was meant for building up the body of Christ. It was meant for a way to be loving the world. So your reservoir of your life is filled to be shared. And so, brothers and sisters, when we gather together on any given Sunday, one of the greatest gifts we can give to each other is simply to make a holy ruckus. To shout to clap, to pray and cheer, and to remind ourselves and each other of how good and how great our Heavenly Father is. This is what we do. But, but I think Paul actually has something in mind here more than just public worship, okay? And, and public worship is incredibly important. It's, it's a critical spiritual rhythm in the lives of his disciples. You can't go without it. But I think that Paul has in mind here also personal conversations. In other words, those, those moments and those experiences when we get together more informally in our living rooms or, or over coffee or, or out on a bike ride or out on the deck. Paul says we should practice these verses in these settings as well. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we put these things into practice? Well, let me tell you maybe how not to do it. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, have you ever gotten a song stuck in your head before? Anyone? Song stuck in your head? Okay, I'm sure you've experienced it before. It's like this, this catchy chorus that kind of just gets played on repeat and it keeps going over and over again and you're trying to get it out of your head but you keep singing it. You're cutting veggies and suddenly it just comes up you start doing it or whatever. Okay, you know what that's called? There's an actual word to describe this phenomenon. It's called an earworm. So it's a song that literally worms its way into your mind through your ear. Yes. Think about that picture before you go to bed tonight. Especially if you're camping. Okay. You know, scientists actually have a technical term for it. It's, it's called an involuntary musical imagery. I-N-M-I. So, I, I don't know. Let's, let's open it up this morning. What, what are some examples of earworms that have got caught in your head before? Anybody? Yes, okay, yeah. If you, if you put your kids in kids' capers this week, there's a song that's, or these last couple of weeks, yes, My Lighthouse. Good, good. Um, uh, Lady, Lady Gaga's um, Bad Romance. Maybe you all know, but... Okay, okay, that's a, that's a good one. Okay. Um, parents, parents, everybody put your fingers up like this. Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do do. Yeah, yeah. You know that one, Daddy Shark, do. Okay, okay. Those of you who are who are a little bit beyond that, okay, you were saved and rescued. Okay, you can thank me later. Kids, sing that when you get home tonight. Okay, um, who let the dogs out? Right. Uh, if you're old school, we are the champions. I mean, there's lots of ear earworms. Okay, across the ages. Well, scientists have been studying earworms for decades, and they've noticed some common characteristics about earworms. Uh, uh, they usually have a fast tempo. They usually um, are, have an easy-to-remember melody. And oftentimes, there's something really unusual about it that makes it just kind of stick in your head. Now, when Paul's talking here about speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, he's not talking about sharing the songs that are stuck in our heads. 
He's talking about sharing something that's flowing from our hearts. I don't think anybody has been blessed ever by somebody going up to them and say, hey, baby shark, do, 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 do. okay, never, ever, right? You can keep your earworms to yourself. Thank you very much. That's not what he's saying. Paul is saying that, that sharing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are a heart endeavor. So it is far more than just content delivery. Listen, if you want content, go to the internet. There is lots of content there. Paul is talking about sharing the overflow of somebody's life in God. It is authentic. It is meaningful. It is real and personal. And so we share with other people out of the reservoir of what we've experienced of our life in God. Scriptures and songs and spiritual conversations with God and encounters with God himself. These things that have shaped us and that are continuing to shape us. You know, my, my concern is that it is just far too easy for us to avoid spiritual conversations when we get together. I don't know about you, but it is easy to talk about the government. It is easy to have cultural conversations. It's easy to deconstruct the church. It's easy to talk about our kids. It's easy to talk about the, the native, latest binge on Netflix that we've been watching, right? But we don't speak near enough about the Lord. We don't encourage one another with psalms or talk about the things of God or even sing together with glad delight in private settings. We don't ask each other the very simple question, hey, what, what has God been up to in your life lately? And, I, you know, I realize, I realize that for some of us, these conversations might be awkward, but let me tell you what makes it less awkward. What makes it less awkward is when you have your own experience of a life in God. When you are seeking God regularly through prayer, through word, through worship, when your reservoir is full, it is much easier to allow that natural overflow to spill out into the lives of others. But let me tell you, when your reservoir is empty or shallow, it is very difficult to enter into those conversations. Sometimes it's because you feel like you've got nothing to author. Sometimes it's because maybe there's a sense of shame because you know that you're not where you want to be necessarily or you find yourself far from God. I don't know what it is. But when the reservoir is empty, it's awkward. When the reservoir is full, it's natural. I love being around people whose reservoirs full of the Spirit. I mean, there's just something different about them. You notice it in how they pray. You notice it in how they encourage. And you notice it in how they suffer. Scripture flows from their heart. There's a melody in them. They, they lean into God naturally. And it's genuine, it's compelling, and it's life-giving. And this is, the, this is the kind of community we aspire to be here at Crosspoint. We want to be a people who, who pursue God together, where spiritual conversations are just kind of natural and life-giving, where, where heart songs are shared, where it's genuine, where it's compelling, and it's life-giving. You know, there's this, this story in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul and Silas are in the city of Philippi, and, and they get thrown into prison, right? And, and the reason why is they rescued this young girl from exploitation. She was also demon-filled, uh, demon-possessed. And so they got locked up. They were put into stocks. And as they were suffering in prison in the dark, how did they respond? 
Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners, they were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. You know, I, I often wonder to myself, what would it have been like to be there that night? To be one of those prisoners locked away in my cell, overhearing the, the very raw and real heart songs in the dark of Paul and Silas, only to see the doors blown off of all of the prisons. I think it would have been a pretty compelling night <laughs> for me anyway. You know, your life in God is something to be shared, and it builds other people's up. And because of that, they will be all the better for it. So let me end this morning by asking you a very direct question. How full is the reservoir of your life? How has your life in God been lately? I don't know, you know maybe you found your, yourself distanced from God under COVID. Um, Maybe for some of you, you've just been caught up in some destructive, sinful habit that's broken your communion with God. Or maybe you've been distracted by things that really aren't that all important lately. Or, or maybe for some of you, you just feel empty and lost. Whatever the reason is, you are, you're, saying, you're sitting here today and you're saying, hey, my, my reservoir is dry, my reservoir is depleted. And quite frankly, you would say this, this morning, you'd confess and say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of living this way. As a matter of fact, I was never meant to live this way. I know that. I don't want to be this way. I want more of God. Do you know this morning that because of Jesus, you have unlimited access to the Father? Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did on your behalf. And because of Jesus, you can draw near to God with confidence. Did you know also that God offers himself to you freely? Not just his gifts, but himself. He is the gift offered to you freely. And God says, listen, if you just open yourself up, if you will surrender, if you receive more of me, I will give myself to you in abundance. Jesus said this in John 4, 14. He says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Did you know that Jesus wants to fill your reservoir today? Today. And every day. And so I want to invite you today to pray with me. And I would love to pray for you, if you'd allow me. To just receive again an abundance of infilling through the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to encourage us, let's stand together and... Um, Let's connect with our Father. After we pray, we're going to sing a song. Because I think it would be really weird if I talk about singing and then we don't sing, right? Would that be weird? Yeah, we're going to sing. And we're going to make a ruckus. But I want to pray. Let's, let's close our eyes and let's just come before the Lord. You know, he's so good and he's so here and he's so for you. And he gave up everything that he might know you. And be in a living relationship with you. And you might even today, you might just feel sh ashamed to come before him. He says, no, no, no. Don't you understand? You're my son. You're my daughter. Come back to me again.
And so today, maybe, maybe there is something that's blocking your communion with God. Maybe you just need to, to give that over to him or repent and turn from it. I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Do you know his mercy is new every morning? Just say to him, God, I, I just want to repent and I want to turn from this thing in my life that is killing me and keeping my reservoir empty. Just take a moment and do that. And maybe just today, if you're, you're here and you're saying, my well is, my reservoir is dry, and I need more of the Lord. You just lift your hands up in front of you, just as an act of faith, an act of surrender, an act of need, and say, Lord, I come to you this morning, and I ask you to fill me with your presence. I'm running on empty. I'm running low. I'm far from you, and I'm running towards you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit this morning. Fill me with your presence and your nearness. Lord, together we just declare that we want to be a people who are full of your presence, brimming over. God, having spiritual conversations with each other, sharing your love with each other and with the world because of your activity in our lives. And God, we ask you to forgive us for uh, when we've turned from you or we've ignored you or when we've turned to other things to fill the void that only you can fill. And God, we turn our hearts towards you. We turn them towards you and say, God, would you fill us afresh? We are dry. We are empty. We are thirsty. God, would you fill us as your people? Move among us. Breathe in us. Give us life. Thank you. This, this is all available to us through Christ Jesus. We give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.